0: Welcome to Vegan Business Talk with Katrina Fox, author of Vegan Ventures, Start and Grow an Ethical Business. Hello and welcome to this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I'm Katrina Fox, journalist, author, and PR consultant, and founder of Vegan Business Media, a content events and training platform providing success strategies and resources for vegan business owners and entrepreneurs. Firstly, a quick announcement. I get a lot of people contacting me asking how they can work with me. So this is a little plug to let you know that I offer a range of services to vegan and plant-based business owners and entrepreneurs, from online training and group coaching to PR, content creation and copywriting services, and one-on-one tailored individual private consultations. So if you're wanting help to promote or grow your vegan business, brand, product, service, book, or other creative project, head over to veganbusinessmedia.com and click on the work with me menu link for more details. Now for the main part of the show. Hello everyone and welcome to today's show. My guest today is Heather Landex. Heather began working in the food service industry in 2000 and has worked in eight countries in over 1000 food service businesses. Since training as an environmental health practitioner, she specialised in food safety, working with large food safety and safety compliance companies, the Olympic Games, and some of the largest chain restaurant brands and Michelin star restaurants. She's developed and further specialised into allergy and dietary preferences beyond compliance and into customer service, marketing and branding, in her aim to ensure that people feel included when they eat out and that food and food service businesses are successful. Her new book, Inclusive, the New Exclusive, How the Food Service Industry Can Stop Leaving Money on the Table, is due out next year. Welcome to the show, Heather.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Great to speak with you. I think it's really, uh, really cool to speak with a vegan food safety consultant or a a food safety consultant who is also vegan. So you're obviously super experienced in this area. Um, Tell me a little bit, just briefly, give us a little bit of an overview of how and why you got into food safety. Because I think I read that you actually started out in McDonald's many years ago. So give us a little bit of uh, an intro of how and why you got into food safety.
1: Yeah, I was probably McDonald's worst uh, employee because I was <laughs> and didn't respect food safety. But back in the day, I was into biology, which is how I um, ended up in Australia doing conservation work, which is naturally quite cruel to animals. So I was a bit too soft to work in the, <laughs> um, you know, mammal surveys usually involve trapping animals and oh. then tagging them and injecting them and marking them and things and I found it very cruel so when I returned to the UK five years later I retrained as an environmental health practitioner which I see as the conservation of people and with a biology background you know I know a lot about bacteria in general and I have a lot of um, toilet humor around that I can imagine I have have a really good affinity for food safety and actually the part I enjoy is training people or coaching them like practically the practical aspect i really like
0: great brilliant thank you so talk to us a little bit about why food safety is important for a vegan food service business that could be a cafe or a restaurant um you know or a a street truck you know anything that's that's basically serving food to the public why is it so important i know it kind of sounds a bit obvious of course you know you have to safe. you know you want food to be safe but to just talk us through why it is so important
1: well firstly it's legal requirement that you register your food business and then you will have in a very short period of time some inspectors come and check you have the right facilities to prefer, prepare food safely but actually there's no requirement to open a food business you don't have to have any education any level of training and at the moment in the UK and in Denmark where I'm based you don't even need to train your staff with an accredited course you only need to give them an adequate level of training which you know you can interpretate what that is (laughs) Um, but I don't understand why any restaurant would want a business would have a business if they didn't ensure people were safe to eat there and then a lot of people are not aware that they could kill someone if they don't protect them against bacteria or viruses such as norovirus so there are there's a system created by NASA and it works to prevent food poisoning why wouldn't you follow a basic version of that and that's known as HACCP So all food businesses in Europe are required to have HACCP, but sometimes it's required verbally rather than written down. But places like the UK, they also need allergy management, which is basically a heightened version of food safety.
0: Okay, okay.
1: So So, without a business, you wouldn't have a business if you poison people.
0: (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I guess it can be kind of quite tricky to prove though can't you like i don't know you know if somebody just like gets ill a few days later or whatever it can be quite tricky to you know so if
1: you don't have a food safety system especially a documented food safety system where you keep temperature records and training records and those sort of things a sickness policy for example yeah. if you don't have those you don't actually have a defense if someone accused you of food poisoning so as oh. you were saying it's sort of the reverse is if you have all this evidence that you have managed food safety correctly, you can actually have a case in court or, you know, in compensation culture, depending where you live, someone might want to smear your reputation. A due diligence defence is having this food safety system in place.
0: Oh, that's good to know. So it's almost preventative and could save you in the long run. Like you say, if someone did decide to say, right, you definitely poisoned me. It wasn't anything else I ate. Uh, that's
1: They might not tell you that you've poisoned them or they suspect you've poisoned them because it is quite difficult to prove where you've got something from, particularly norovirus, which is very personable. You can spread it person to person, not just in food. Um, But if you can go back to that level where you're preventative, it's the same with pest control. If you prevent the pest coming in in the first place, it's a lot cheaper to manage by blocking the holes so that pests can't come into your business or covering food so there's nothing to feed on. Exactly. That's a lot cheaper, and it saves food, and it saves expense of you know eradicating a pest problem, and, and it's less cruel
0: as well. Bad. because they have not got to harm the so-called pests in inverted
1: commas. Yeah, it's not I'm their kidding. fault, is it? They're just yeah. doing what they're actually born to do, which yeah. seeks shelter yeah. in food. Exactly. And and yeah. replicate.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, can you talk to us? You've mentioned a couple of things there um, about what kinds of things does a vegan food service provider need to take into account in regards to implementing, um, you know, a, a safety. Um, protocol because i 'm just thinking about you know particularly small businesses i mean some of them are starting out in their home kitchen and then they might upgrade to like a, a an external premises so you know we 're not talking big chains here, um, and obviously you know th- th- there 's costs and everything so how can like what would be a kind of basic um, way to begin with for um, a vegan food service provider? What sort of things would they need to put into play
1: well, there is the basic legal requirement which is to have this in a very vague HACCP, which basically you start with your deliveries, make sure you're getting something delivered to you that's safe. And you can do that by looking at hygiene rating schemes or whatever your local country has. Um, so you start with the what's delivered is safe when it arrives. So you might check the temperatures of deliveries, for example. And then you would go through the storage. How can you have good storage, prevent pests, prevent contamin- cross-contamination? So, you know, very good... Food-safe storage, such as the plastic is food-grade plastic, and then you'd go on to the preparation. are your staff trained to prepare food properly. They know how to prevent cross-contamination. And here's a thing specifically for vegan restaurants: is that a lot of people might assume you're also allergy-friendly for all of the animal-related allergens. Yeah. So that's something to be aware of because manufacturers aren't necessarily thinking along the same lines, and that's also an advantage you would have over a non-vegan restaurant for example so, if someone so, what an you're, allergy
0: uh, so what you're saying is that's right then so if like if 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 it's a vegan restaurant then obviously there's not going to be any dairy in there so would that mean that you're automatically dairy free and could call yourself dairy free in terms of allergen or not
1: well that's what some consumers might assume However, you have to get back to your manufacturers because they may have a may contain disclaimer on their products. Oh, if yes. If they're in the same factory as milk products, then there's a risk, you know, contamination on the machine, such as sausages. Um, so in Veganuary in the UK, they did actually find a lot of contamination with milk and egg. And uh-huh. there is no legal limit for the level of contamination. But if you were talking about gluten-free products, there is a, a limit of how how much you can tolerate in a product call it gluten-free it's actually 20 parts per million um, but there's no such minimum for milk and milk is the biggest killer for allergies in the uk
0: is it oh my gosh yeah. wow because
1: it's lesser known because so many people have intolerance or they have a lesser allergy that's not life-threatening but yeah. actually in the uk recently in the media as well um people have died from having milk having the uh, cheese thrown at them there was a young boy died who's been bullied, someone threw cheese at him, and he died from Okay. Oh, so it's actually becoming a bigger problem. There's more people with allergies, and there's more publicity about it. Um, so the demand for allergy-friendly products is increasing, and if you're a vegan restaurant, that's where you have an advantage. Of course. That you, can yeah. applies, and you just need to be aware of a few risks, such as contaminated product arriving at your premises.
0: Mm, right. That's an interesting one. Like you say, with the, the manufacturing side of things, like you could have your own, you know, if you don't make your own products, they're saying you're, like you say, you know, relying on ingredients, you know, things coming through that might be can quote contaminated, yeah, with allergens. That can be quite tricky. So it kind of goes back to that supply chain. So that's I think that's helpful for people to know because I think not only consumers, but maybe some vegan business owners, food service business owners might not know that, particularly if they haven't worked in the industry to begin with, and they're starting a cafe or restaurant.
1: There's another thing to be aware of if you have non-vegan chefs or other people working for you that are not vegan, is they might think that food safety is not a problem for vegan food. I've heard that said by chefs. Uh, on really? Shocking.
0: <laughs> wow. Oh my <laughs> because goodness.
1: Because their, their perception is that you keep raw meat away from cooked food. That's their basic understanding of food safety. And they're not thinking about growth of bacteria on proteins, which is generally the high risk category of foods.
0: Wow, that's good. It's to know. quite I mean, shocking. It is quite shocking. I mean, I've heard like I didn't know that about chefs. But I've heard like just regular, like just vegans, you know, say, "Oh, you can't if you're vegan." There's a very low chance of getting food poisoning, and and I know, you know, I know that's not true because you know you you can easily. Maybe there's I don't know. Maybe there's somewhat less chance, but than meat, but not necessarily. But that's yeah, that is quite shocking to hear that some chefs might think that. So that's really helpful for for people because I know people who have started like vegan restaurants, even vegan restaurant chains, and they like they don't really know much about the industry. So they've relied, you know, they've hired X quote experts. But like you say that these are kind of things that they need to know and learn. So this is great. This is really, um, really helpful information, um, Heather. So you're very focused on inclusivity um, when it comes to dietary requirements and preferences. And I know you believe that, you know, food businesses, as we said, your, your new book's going to be discussing that um, the, the food businesses are leaving money on the table by excluding minority groups such as, you know, vegans, vegetarians um, and obviously people with various intolerances and um, and allergies. So can you tell us how that inclusivity, how does that apply specifically to vegan and plant based businesses?
1: if you define what inclusivity is it's going to express that to include the people that are usually excluded such as in a normal restaurant it would be vegans but obviously if you're a vegan restaurant it might be people who have an allergy to milk or egg but also people with celiac disease or even people who are trying to avoid sugar um, if they can't eat out they might be the common denominator I call it or you can call it a network effect that the person with the strongest dietary preference chooses where the group eats. Mm. So if you can include someone who has an allergy, because a lot of restaurants have a disclaimer, it may contain traces of, and then the allergy sufferer has to either take a risk or eat somewhere else. Yes. Um, yeah. But if you can include that person, they also have very tight communities, a bit like the vegan community. Uh, there is a vegan gluten-free community in the UK as well. That I'm a <laughs> um, but they they sort of have a network effect that they bring all of their friends, colleagues, anyone they want to schmooze, because you can't schmooze someone without eating yourself. So a restaurant, a normal restaurant that has a vegan option, is actually opening up to people who have a religious reason for not eating animal products. Um, Maybe they have an intolerance, an allergy to one of the animal products. So what I'm suggesting to the the industry is that if they have a plant-based allergy-friendly option, they're actually including a very large proportion of the population.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I know my my partner Tracy's going to like this because she's very high raw and there's actually quite a few like even all vegan places where we go to and she can't eat she'll just sit and have a drink because you know even the raw even the salad has got you know various bits and bobs in it and another friend of mine Karen in the UK actually is a celiac and she's uh, vegan as well and and she was I remember when I was last there in the UK we were on Brick Lane in London and we were going to go into a cafe and it had you know gluten-free and she was like oh good and then she went I remember she went in and she asked the the cafe owner you know do you cater for celiacs and they just went no no you know we're gluten-free but we can't like claim you know the, to be able to feed you as a celiac. So I guess on that, you know, how, how tricky is it? I'm thinking in terms of, you know, obviously you've got to have very strict standards for something like celiac. Um, and, and obviously there's costs involved. And I'm just wondering how feasible it is, I guess, for, you know, particularly a small vegan cafe, for example, to implement that kind of, those kind of standards.
1: I think small is better. In that situation because you can train all of your staff and that's the main the main intervention as you were, or the main step is you have to be aware that there's a problem because the, the problem with most restaurants these minority groups are not served such as the celiacs or someone with an allergy rather than an intolerance and it's because they're a minority, they don't have the enough um, turnover of that item, for example, a vegan option, that they don't see that there's more than the 1% of people who are vegan eating there or eating that option. But when it comes to um, allergies, particularly in the UK, where they have a bit of extra legislation about um, you have to label products with which allergens it contains out of the 14 in Europe that you have to have on the label. But they might say it doesn't contain milk but they haven't communicated anything about cross-contamination. And that's the advantage a vegan restaurant would have, is as long as they ensured what was delivered to the restaurant, they can guarantee there's no milk, there's no egg, there's no animal products in there, mm. uh, shellfish, fish. These are all the really common allergies. Um, and it's this, it's this cross-contamination that vegans and allergy sufferers have more awareness in the consumer base than the average chef has so there's this lack of communication between the consumer and the chef because the chef might have their own interpretation of what an allergy sufferer is mostly they consider allergy sufferers annoying because it interrupts service they need to go and prepare a meal completely separately and it's that out that layout that if you were starting a vegan restaurant now you can take advantage of knowing that you need to separate preparation of different allergens because a lot of it is in the design and the layout of the kitchen you can make it very easy for a chef to do uh, allergy friendly products if it's in the food safety system because if you've not been storing products carefully or they would, you, you haven't checked your supplier information that things don't contain traces of anything if you can guarantee that before you even prefer prepare the meal you're already confident you were capable of preparing an allergy friendly meal. Whereas a lot of restaurants just have a disclaimer. It may contain because they're scared of the litigation. They're scared of getting it wrong. Yes. So it's not actually on offer anywhere. So if you were a vegan restaurant saying we can do allergy friendly, such as milk free products, you probably can already. You're probably capable already. You might just not be emphasizing that you can on, on the menu, or it might be that, you know, they don't even know you exist. It's all sort of this con- consumer knowing that it's available is quite hard to achieve. So you'd have to start out the business with the right layout, the right communication and the right staff training so that everyone knows that your culture is to produce this milk friendly dish, for example. Mm. Because it is hard to achieve if you walk into a restaurant, they have no idea what they're doing. They probably can't guarantee that it's free from milk.
0: Right. What about existing restaurants that may be listening to this and thinking, well, yeah, I'd like to, you know, be more inclusive and cater to, uh, you know, people with allergies. What would be the steps they would need to take?
1: So I would look at what you offer already and see how capable you are already of producing an allergy friendly menu. So are your suppliers already giving you the information that their products are free from traces of milk and egg? They're the most popular most common allergies. Um, but you can also look at, would you be capable of providing a meal without nuts, for example? You might not be capable.
0: Without what? Nuts.
1: Nuts, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's yeah. not the famous yeah. one for causing anaphylaxis, that's why. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. In vegan food, there is a lot of nuts. Yeah. But for example, I, I go to, there's a pescatarian restaurant near me, which is basically plant-based, and then you can add fish if you want some. <laughs> 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 it's sort of built up that it's a vegan menu, and then you can add fish if you want because it's like and you can have it gluten free if you want so they have the capability of both but they're also peanut free Ah. so because they don't have peanuts on the premises that demonstrates to a a peanut allergy sufferer which you know on a daily basis that allergy impacts their life because they can't even walk to a room with open nuts in it for example
0: or
1: on a plane and those sort of things but if they know that you don't have it on the menu, they can be confident it's not in the kitchen. All you would have to watch out for is that the staff are aware not to bring peanuts with them to work. Mm-hmm. So that's actually quite easy to achieve. All you've got to do is decide you're going to be peanut free. Mm. Okay. A lot of it's mindset. Like, uh, do you want to serve these people and can you serve these people? Then you build it into your food safety system
0: right now you touched on the kind of the fear of legislation because and that is a worry because you could do all the right things like you've just said and yet do you know what i mean if you've if you've tried to tick all the boxes and yet someone nevertheless has a reaction and you they obviously they can't necessarily prove it was from your restaurant it may or may not be but there's still that i guess there's i'm trying to think how vegan business owners can protect themselves from that i guess maybe with some kind of insurance
1: so the due diligence defence is what you would use for food safety for food poisoning cases. And it's I'm, just I meant
0: not for food poisoning, more for yeah. allergy. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like if someone- so, if
1: someone had an allergy incident, you would look at your food safety system and say that look, we've checked our suppliers, we've checked our storage, we've checked our staff are trained, we have all this evidence that we did our absolute best. And then they shouldn't be able to sue you, oh, for example. OK. Right. The right. problem in the UK is there's going to be new legislation about labelling. And if you say that it doesn't contain something and then it does as a contaminant, there isn't actually a legal amount that is allowed. So it's very uh, uncharted waters as um. to as to would that be a defence in court if you hadn't done anything wrong. But one example in the UK, because this is how this whole the whole thing started with new legislation is that there's a, a new law called Natasha's law, and it's because a girl called Natasha died in uh, pret a oh, And it was all no. to do with allergy labelling. So they had a sandwich that they'd packed, but it wasn't a manufacturer that had packed it, so it didn't have to have ingredients on there. But they had put the title of the sandwich and a, a bit about the ingredients in the sandwich, but they didn't have to put the ingredients or the allergy information on there. It was a loophole in the law. But the girl who ate it didn't ask anyone because she thought it was a normal sandwich and, you know, a manufactured sandwich. So she didn't see sesame on the label, so she ate it and died on the aeroplane. Oh,
0: crikey.
1: So that's where, you know, the media have put a focus on allergens. And now the consumers in the UK expect you to have this information for allergies. And if you don't have it or it's incorrect, they can see you and they're aware of that. Mm. So there's a, suddenly a massive demand for Either a disclaimer to say that you can't produce allergy-friendly foods, or to have all the information available, and then the it's about the consumer being able to make an informed choice. So I think for most allergy sufferers, and I'm very lactose intolerant, I accept that there's a risk every time I eat out that I might have a reaction. And I think a lot of allergy sufferers are just happy to see that people are trying to make the effort. And if you did everything you could, I don't think they'd sue you. I think they would just. Um, Try to help you improve. Yeah, because there is no there is no precedent until now because the law hasn't come out yet that you have to do this, um, and that's the problem, isn't it? It's it's that no one's aware that how serious allergies are. No one's aware how many people have allergies and intolerances. No one's aware, you know, even even a number of vegans is in, in, increasing, and there you know there's a plant based revolution going on that's really rapidly in, in, increasing because people are focused on health and uh, wellness and and sustainability and all these other things so that if you're doing a a vegan restaurant you have all the all the tools already to to cater to these people and that's what the rest of the industry is not doing
0: right yeah i know because i know i know a couple of um, businesses well particularly one in the uk Plamel, which is the oldest um uh vegan um Company um, in the UK, they've been going for a long, long time, and um, they've got their own manufacturing facility. And I know when I interviewed, I'm friends with Adrian, who's the the, fan, uh, the the managing director. His father actually founded it, Arthur Ling, who was vegan in 1927, which I can't even fathom that. Um, and what he what what the, he found is that the allergen market is a really strong market for them as a vegan business. You know, it's not just vegans or even just people who are plant curious, but there's also that allergen market. Um, and because they're a manufacturing facility um you know they they've gone out of their way to you know offer you know sugar-free products that they mark as suitable for diabetics for example or you know they can claim that um you know obviously they can claim it's dairy-free um because it's their their own facility but it, it is a, it can be a strong market for vegan business owners who, like you where- say, yeah are already part of the way there
1: in the UK at the moment, the manufacturers haven't caught up with this because the responsibility is on the restaurant to produce the allergy information. So the manufacturers are still putting may contain. Yeah. and if you have your own facility, so I have I have recommended this to a Spanish producer of um, plant based proteins that they have their own facility, and I've said you need to emphasise that you're guaranteed milk friendly, you know, allergy friendly. And he hadn't thought of that because he's so focused on being vegan. And you know, you can be accredited with B label or something, and have traces of milk and egg in your in the, right. in the product. But so, yeah, you need another level of accreditation. It's an allergy friendly, especially if you have a vegan product that's gluten free or a vegan product that's naturally nut free. You need to emphasise that on the label or emphasise it on your menu because it's not gar- It's not usual. It is to a minority group.
0: Mm, so it's another way to stand out to be more inclusive i guess can yeah, you talk doing
1: it already yeah you already do. yeah
0: um can you just talk to us a little bit about approximate costs involved like because there's lots of accreditation bodies you know you can pay to have your product vegan certified you can pay to have your product associate uh, certified gluten-free or suitable for celiacs um but you know there's obviously payment or payments involved in that too or costs involved to make that happen so can you give us a sort of a uh, an idea of of the kind of costs that one could be looking at if you know you want
1: a- you can do it without accreditation so mm-hmm. because uh, for example if i if i went in a vegan restaurant and if something was naturally gluten-free all you have to do is write that on the menu that it's gluten-free and that's what a lot of re- restaurants are not doing <laughs> because they haven't thought of it right so the so what you can do is just uh it's a mindset thing you can um go through your current food safety and how it impacts your menu and there are ways you can label your menu to signal to these minority groups it's safe to eat here but obviously Mm -hmm. there is a cost in um change management basically you have to retrain your staff you have to print your menus and at the moment um with covid going on it's a good opportunity to go digital yeah and that can be really helpful for someone who needs a vegan menu in a normal restaurant for example or there are online menus where you can filter the allergens and i've been on some of these menus and i'm like wow this is an impressive menu i can filter it for milk but they also have you have to accept may contain or you can't eat anything except the vegan dessert because it's probably bought in ready and, and sealed. Mm. Um, so they still have this may contain disclaimer on everything. So mm. even the large brands and in, in the UK, there's about four brands of the pubs, you know, the chain restaurants that own like 50 percent of the market. <laughs> and if they can't <laughs> do it you, as an independent, most of it is customer service. It's communicating with your customer telling them what you're prepared to guarantee and what you're not prepared to guarantee. And in a vegan restaurant, it's very simple to guarantee milk safety and egg safety. So that's already quite a good yeah, percentage that's of true. the market.
0: Yeah, and fish, no fish or anything in it. No fish yeah. as
1: well is quite common for anaphylaxis. Yeah. Um, but the reason I say milk and egg is because they're the most common. The main it's, ones, it, gotcha. Okay. Especially in children, it's up to 5 to 8% of children have a milk egg allergy. The reason I can't give an accurate percentage is because statistically it's very difficult to identify who has an allergy
0: sure yeah. and who
1: has an intolerance and sometimes it's a bit gray but <laughs> yeah
0: yeah for sure. as
1: well when you talk about celiacs there's also people with allergies to wheat and it's not it's not about being a celiac and then there's people who are intolerant and that's different again so there's three different reasons to want gluten-free so it's about understanding what your consumer wants which is basic business isn't it so, it
0: is. yeah, but this is helpful, I think, for because I think, you know, I think some, you know, people who own, you know, vegan cafe, vegan restaurant that are, are listening, you know, they they might you could even like, for example, if you find out that some things that are coming in, if you're not making necessarily all your stuff on the premises, it might be, you know, a case if you could switch out a particular type of ingredient or something to a manufacturer that could claim that it's allergen-free, and then you can reap the benefits of that. So I just think this is helpful for,
1: you know, like you say,
0: for people to, to realise, like, as you said, particularly being vegan, that they're already ahead of the game, but they're probably not communicating that, which I think is really important. So I hope people are...
1: And when you make your own products, like a lot of vegan restaurants are quite healthy and they've made a lot of things from scratch. That's an yes. advantage because you know what's in your product, whereas places where they buy it in and, you know, they do a lot of fast service in some of the pubs especially yeah Uh, they can't guarantee what's happened to it before it's arrived
0: that's a good point i'm thinking actually of uh i'll I'll give a shit she listens to the podcast regularly so i'm going to give her a little shout out natasha natasha from in uh from canada um from ed's bakery natasha and ed um so they they make their own bread and and products on the on the premises and you can even see them kind of doing that. So that would be probably, you know, a good idea for them. So someone like that, them could say, right, you know, we can guarantee that there's no X, Y, and Z in our products. So I think that's really helpful. So thank you for sharing that, um, Heather. (laughs) I just wanted to briefly ask you about street um, food vendors, because we're seeing quite a lot of that, even during COVID, I think some like, you know, vegan restaurants um, actually, you know, Uh, had this extra service where they you know had these food trucks and kind of went around and delivered um, food to people so what are some of the specific safety issues when it comes to vegan street food vendors?
1: So I think the main thing is to be aware of your capabilities so you do need hand washing as a a minimum requirement but obviously the legal requirements for a food truck are different to a fixed premises but I would always recommend the hand washing is a fundamental principle as well as pest control. Um, and that's probably quite difficult in a truck sometimes with um, rodents. Um, but one of the main thing is just to be transparent about what you you can deliver. So in terms of allergies, for example, if you don't have the allergy in the ingredients, when you leave your premises, it's not going to be there at any point in the process before it's delivered to the consumer so that you can guarantee, but I would keep it simple. I would only offer what you know you can offer well and then then you have a very basic system for ensuring that things are not cross-contaminated such as if you were cooking things on the same grill or you were using the same equipment because you're obviously limited in how much washing up you can do in a food truck. So in terms of allergies you would have to have a menu that didn't contain the allergen in its entirety so if you're doing gluten-free i wouldn't risk having gluten fr- gluten in any product
0: gotcha yeah that makes sense yeah cool Brilliant. Can
1: design it to be quite simple
0: yes yeah thank you um so just to wrap up what are some because obviously you know you're a food safety consultant um what are the some of the benefits of working with a consultant like you
1: you don't have to look up all the information and legislation yourself and i translate it into practical measures rather than you know, what's the law and what's not the law? What are the benefits of having good food safety? I recommend way above the legal standard because the amount of food waste you save, the the increase in goodwill and customer service and customer experience is so much, you know, exponentially more valuable than meeting the basic legal requirements.
0: Right, got it, wonderful. And just finally then, where can we find you online? I think your website is
1: heatherlandex.com. It is. I also have my book at book.heatherlandex.com.
0: Oh, lovely. Good. Book.heatherlandex. Oh, okay. well, we will put links to those on the show notes page. But, look, Heather, thank you so much for sharing your expertise um, and knowledge with us because, you know, it is an important one. And like you say, you know, particularly as, you know, vegan and plant-based grows, but also, you know, there's this whole kind of almost untapped market um, that that you've mentioned that I think particularly vegan and plant-based businesses are so well placed to take advantage of. Um, So really appreciate you coming on the show today. It's been great chatting with you. No problem. So that's it for this episode of Vegan Business Talk. I hope you enjoyed it and found it useful. If you like the show, please give it a review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, as it helps to get it seen by more people. There are more free resources on the veganbusinessmedia.com website to help you in your quest to build and sustain a successful business. And if you'd like to work with me personally on promoting and growing your vegan business or brand, you'll find details on how to do this on the website at veganbusinessmedia.com and clicking on the Work With Me menu link. Thank you so much for tuning in and I look forward to catching up with you on the next episode of Vegan Business Talk. Bye for now.